that we're saved by the grace of God. Grace plus anything is not grace. Meaning you don't give your life to Christ and then do some stuff and then now you're saved because you did some stuff. We recognize that the only thing that would merit us being saved and forgiven is the cross. And that Jesus paid it all and on the cross he shed perfect blood. The, sacri the sacrificial system could end now because sin had been paid for once and for all by the blood of God in the flesh, Jesus. Amen? We believe that. But we also have a Bible that tells us that when we get saved, we're not called to just go sit on the sidelines or sit in a pew and not have any fruit in our life that would, would resemble somebody whose life that has been forever changed. I had the privilege this past week to fly to Jacksonville for David Burton Ministries, uh, an evangelist that you're going to see here in April, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries, to be on his board of directors. And on my way there, I met a very nice man who is an optometrist uh, named Charlie from Mississippi. Charlie has a granddaughter who's in the Air Force National Guard and had to come to Wright Pat, and she had never driven in bad weather, so Papaw drove her to Ohio to make sure she would get here safely. And now he was flying back to Mississippi. As we began to talk about what we did for a living, he, of course, he was retired eye doctor, and he asked me, and we shared. The plane was about to get ready to leave the ground, and he grabbed my arm and said, if anything happening, I'm holding on tight to you. It was at that point that opened up a door for an hour and a half conversation that you're not saved based on what somebody else is doing, that it's something that happens to you. Now, I thank the Lord that we can have testimonies, many in this building, like Tim, who could say that we've had faithful grandparents who love the Lord, and we've had faithful moms and dads who've loved the Lord, but we're not going to heaven based on their faith. Thank the Lord for that model, amen? And everybody here ought to be modeling that for your family in one form or another. You'll say, Brother Greg, I didn't have that. Well, you're alive right now. Today would be the day to start that if you feel like you have it, to, to teach your kids and your grandkids the importance. I hope when we get to March and we tip off or March Gladness that every kid in this church is in Sunday school because it's in those early years we begin to, to recognize uh, our need for knowing Christ. So here's what we believe the Bible talks about. A real faith is a faith that works that shows itself out from the inside out as, as you love people and you, you're kind to people and you serve people and you recognize that God is living in you as a born-again Christian and we have this privilege to live life for his glory. When you look at where we've been so far, just to get some of you caught up maybe a little bit, here's what we need to recognize that James' letter's about, that God loves you. That God loves you. Don't ever get over the fact that God loves you. And because he loves you, he loves that person next to you. He loves that person at work who may have already told you that they don't believe. That's okay. You continue to pray for them and ask God to speak to their heart and soften their heart and see what he wants to do in their life. God loves you. We also are realizing in James that God walks with us. When you give your heart to Christ, there's never another day, another moment, another hour that you will walk by yourself 
in this thing called life. You'll never be alone. Anybody want to say amen? You'll never be alone. We also understand that he desires, uh, as we love him and follow him, for us to obey him. Remember, if you really want to see victory in a Christian life, it will be met at the point of obedience. Not wishful thinking, but you trusting God and taking him at his word and walking in obedience. That brings us this morning to verse 21 in chapter 1. And the title of the message is Pitch It. Pitch It. James 1, 21. Therefore lay aside, the Bible says, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we recognize that James really doesn't pull a punch in this text. So help us to receive it. And Lord, the areas in my life that I need it, help me apply what I learned today. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. Years ago, there was a TV show, and forgive me if I'm messing up the title of the program, but it was something like this. Keep, pitch, sale. It was on the HGTV network, the, the home network. And what would happen is a consultant would come to your home, and it seemed like a garage was a place that they came most often. They would come to a person's house, they'd evaluate their garage, and then they would put three big tarps on their driveway. One would, it would have a sign that says keep. One would have a sign that says sale. And then there would be a third one that said pitch. In essence, this tarp would be things we need to throw away. And it was funny to watch the show because as people would come out with things that they thought they needed to keep, the consultant would take and put on the pitch pile. Well, when you look at this passage this morning, I believe James is telling us right from the beginning there are some things in the Christian life, listen to me, that need to go. There are some things in your life this morning that don't need to be there. There are some things in our lives as believers that if we're not careful, we can drag around and continue to allow it to clutter our life up, in essence, holding us back rather than letting us go forward. Some of you have already said, Brother Greg, how did you know that about my life? Because I live life too. And we recognize that the Christian life isn't a call to be removed from the battle. It's a reminder that the Lord Jesus is with you in the battle. And I praise God for that. 
So I want you this morning to visually lay three tarps out in front of your spiritual garage door. And I want you to begin to think about some things that need to go. We've already heard in James that, that God, listen, is not going to tempt us to sin. He's going to walk with us through the trial. He tells Paul that he'll give us everything we need in Scripture to get out of the temptation, to have victory in a temptation rather than succumbing to the devil. So he begins in verse, 24, one, verse 21 by saying, therefore. When you see that in Scripture, you need to look back. When you look at verses 19 and 20, you see uh, he, he's talking about that, that closing uh, statement we made last week. My beloved brethren, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Are you glad this morning that we have the word of God? Do you know there are some people in secret church places across this world that are praying for a hard copy of the Bible, but they don't have it because if they were found with it, they would be killed. How wonderful is it to have the Word of God? How wonderful is it to have the Word of God as easy to access as your cell phone this morning? Always with you, regardless of where you're at. The Word of God, the Bible says, sanctify them by your truth, John 17, 17. Your word is truth. It's the word of God where we're going to hear the instructions on how to live. And a healthy Christian life is found in reading and obeying God's truth. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but I'm not always as healthy as I should be. But when I have a doctor's appointment scheduled, I get serious. I mean, I fast the night before I go. And then I do a lot of praying. Oh, Lord, let those numbers magically come down overnight. Help their equipment to be faulty. No, you don't want faulty equipment. You want an accurate diagnosis. And folks, listen, you'll never be a healthy Christian if you think you can do it apart from God's Word. And this morning, in this passage, Here's what the Bible says. As a Christian, look at verse 22. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Here's the first thing I want us to kick off with this morning. When God's word is shaping our lives, it's going to affect our walk as a Christian. When God's word is, a, is shaping us, and that's why it's so important to get your kids under the, the, the Word of God. Listen, even as early as a nursery, how important that is. God's Word shaping my life and affecting my walk as a Christian. Now, if, in case you're confused about what's a walk, a walk is your life as a believer. So when we leave this place today, we'll go different ways, but our walk goes with us. Listen to me. When we leave this morning and go different directions, the Church of Jesus Christ, First Southern Camden, goes in different directions. The church isn't just a building. This is where we meet. Amen? This is where we gather. 
This is where we serve. This, this, is the, uh, uh, this is like the headquarter of the body when we assemble together to go out, take the gospel to the world, but we go in different directions. And I can't wait till COVID-19 is not a threat. People can comfortably get out and we can pack this place out again for the Lord. Amen? And I, and I praise the Lord for his goodness, but it's got to be the word of God that shapes our life. Don't just be a hearer, James says. Be a doer. Now let me tell you something, Christians, this morning. You cannot control somebody else's actions. Oh, listen, if you're raising kids, you better control their actions when they're young. Anybody will say amen? Because if you don't, they'll start doing their own thing and before long say something like, who are you? You better get your kids' attention when they're small. But I'm talking about believers. You cannot control another believer's actions. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I can't make you do something. I cannot make you do something. But I can be controlled by the Spirit of God for my own actions. And that's a choice that you and I make as believers of whether or not we're going to surrender and follow the Lord as we live the Christian life. So what are some things you can do? Well, he says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. We can repent of our sin, first of all. Now, I'm not talking about confessing it. Confession is, is natural. You do something wrong, somebody sees you do it, you feel guilt, you say, I did it, I'm sorry. I'm talking about repenting. And repenting means you recognize that it is filthiness and an overflow of wickedness that does not need to be there. It's something that needs to be on the pitch tarp of my spiritual life. Repentance means to get rid of it, to turn from it, and to cast your eyes on Jesus who James has already told us will carry us through the trials of life. He says, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. The, the translation there is the abundance of wickedness. As a matter of fact, if you have a King James Bible, you might be looking at a word that says naughtiness. I, I feel like that word is almost soft when it comes to what it really means wickedness and evilness we're not talking about naughty and nice folks we're talking about living a life obedient to Christ or a life that looks more like a lost world evil depravity James says lay it aside put it on the tarp of getting rid of it because if you want to see victory in your Christian life, there has to come a point of surrendering to Christ and doing what he wants us to do. Here's another thing we see. That Christianity is more than just listening. Now, I praise God for a faithful church. Praise the Lord for you that have been faithful to get back. Praise the Lord for the ones that are watching. I praise God for a faithful church. But the Christian life is more than just being a consumer he says, don't just be a hearer only, be a doer. Now, we know that the Bible says we're saved by the grace of God. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. But when you give your life to Christ, listen to me, 
It's your job and my job to represent that new life well and to share with people the hope that Jesus has made. If you were here today, and I want you to pray for my uh, 40-something-year-old nephew, John, who was just diagnosed with a form of lymphoma. Two little girls, a, a, a third little baby, that, a little boy they just had. Talked to him on the phone yesterday, and man, their world is rocked. If I had the cure to cancer, I would want everybody with cancer to have that cure. Would you not? I'd stand up here before I preach say, folks, those of you that have the kind of cancer I had, here's the cure for it. If, you're have, if you have it, please take it. Why in the world would we not want to tell somebody how to live forever in Jesus Christ? And it's more than grabbing somebody's arm on an airplane, is it not? It's more than going to somebody you know that prays a lot. It's about you recognizing that there is a God whose word is true, and when I place my faith in, in, in who he is and what he said he did and the truth of his word, it will change my life forever. That's what a Christian is. Someone asks you if you're going to heaven, don't you dare tell them you're Baptist. I don't ever answer that question by telling somebody I'm a preacher. You're going to heaven because you're a Christian. And when we get to heaven, get ready to worship. Because there'll be people from other denominations. Maybe you didn't think they were saved because of the denomination they were in. But it wasn't their denomination that saved them. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we sing these old hymns that we do as a church, I, I thank God for that, don't you? Because they remind me of growing up and hearing the truth of God's word. When God's word is shaping our lives, it will affect our walk the way we serve him. We've got to repent of our sin. We have to be willing to do more than just listen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man who builds his house uh, on a good foundation, on the rock. And when the storms come, the house stands. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who builds his house without a foundation, against which the stream beat and immediately it fell. Tim's business, many of you know, uh, masonry, they, they did the, the, the brick to this church. They did the foundation that we're sitting on right now. And I remember, you, we see the brick all the time, right? We drive by the building, we see the brick, we see the outside. That's just a little part of the masonry work in this building because it took them days and weeks to lay a foundation that would be sure and strong and be able to hold this building and did not waver when the storms of life came. Listen to me, that's the way the Christian life should look being built, serving the Lord, using your gifts for the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. What is that about? I thought we were saved by, the, by grace through faith. Amen, we are. But here's what happens. A changed life serves the Lord. A changed life glorifies the Lord. Let me give you a good example. Abraham. When he took 
Isaac to offer Isaac as a sacrifice that God had asked Isaac didn't know what was going on Abraham even went to the point of preparing the fire and can you imagine the conversation that his son's asking well father as he does who's the sacrifice and as Abraham raises up a knife thinking he's gonna have to sacrifice his son to God God stops him provides a ram in the thicket to be the sacrifice guess 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 what picture that is folks of the Lord Jesus taking your place and my place but it was Abraham's work that backed up his faith now we sing we sing songs like that don't we we'll work till Jesus comes we'll work till Jesus comes we don't work because we have to we work because we get to now don't you leave this morning and say brother Greg you preaching on saved by work no I'm saying I'm, I'm preaching on saved by grace through faith get to work get to work number two why because you can't fool God but you can fool yourself you can't fool God but you can fool yourself look at verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves deceiving yourselves be a doer of the word the translation there is listen to me to a poet who performs now don't take that out of context you don't perform to be saved you serve and you show the life of Christ in you as you minister to other people as you love other people not it's not a consumer only mentality your tithe is your ticket you buy to come and sit and and watch the show that's not the way it works the Bible says in Matthew 5 let your light so shine before men Clint your light you folks that have businesses God's given you a platform your light let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works but not pat you on the back but glorify your father who is in heaven those of you that will sit in an office tomorrow around a crew that that you work with every day those of you that will sit around a pot of classroom tables God wants you to shine for him for his glory now James goes on to say after saying be a doer of the word and not a hearer only he begins to make a distinction between the two for if anyone is like a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does let me give you the picture let me give you the picture James says that many are like a man who looks in the mirror many are those who hear the Word of God and sit in services week in and week out many look into the mirror Sunday after Sunday hear the truth but as soon as they walk away from it they forget what they were looking at this morning I would imagine some of you looked into a mirror by looking at some of you men perhaps you didn't but what did we do this morning folks guys what did you do we looked in the mirror we identified reality 
I don't know about you, I identified a few more wrinkles, a few more folds, a few more kinky gray hair, made the proper adjustments. What are the proper adjustments? Things that I thought would be presentable to you. Remember the old pulpit we had? I love that old pulpit. You know why? I could almost change clothes behind it, and you could never see one thing. Boy, this one's not the truth. So you've got to make sure you make the right adjustments, and then you make the corrections, and then you present yourself. What's the job of a mirror to help you see reality? But make sure you understand something. A mirror is not reality. It can only reflect it. It can only show me. A mirror cannot change anything. It can only show me. It's like the law. It can only show me what's wrong or what needs to be fixed or corrected. You evaluate, you correct, you shift, and then you move forward. Here's what he's saying. Some of us are like the man who looks in the mirror, come to church, we see what's wrong in our life, but as soon as we walk away from the Word of God, we forget what we saw. But then the contrast is, but he, verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed in what he does. You see, you don't stay looking at a mirror. You don't, you don't live your life just staying there looking at a mirror. There comes a point where you walk away from it and you start to live life. And James says there can be a problem if we're not careful. When we're a hearer only, we're constantly looking at the mirror and we're walking away from it. And we, ba we base life on what we thought needed to be fixed. I believe the mirror of today's culture is social media because I can I can make you think that I am something by what I type with a few words I can make you think that our life runs smooth as silk that our church is better than everybody else's and things are always on top folks I've got news for you it doesn't matter what uh, 500 of your closest followers think of you it's what God knows about you And when we think about God and we think about living for Him, uh, here's a principle you have to understand. When we practice obedience, we're called to do that. We're not called to practice habitual sin. Habitual sin, what's that? Habitual sin is being in the habit, being in the practice of doing the same thing. Now, I'm not saying this morning that you and I as Christians don't trip and don't stumble sometimes in our life. Anybody will say amen to that? Anybody will say amen to that? We all do. We all do. But what this passage is teaching us today is you don't stay there. When you mess up, you don't stay there. You, you don't linger longer when you know you're not where you're supposed to be. You look for the escape route. How do we know there's one? Because Paul already wrote that God gives us victory over temptation. He gives us a way out when we look to him and we, we look to it. James is indicating in this passage this morning, practice what you hear. Apply it to your life. Give God glory for the victories in your life. Number four, self-control is the mark of spiritual maturity self-control is the mark of spiritual maturity verse 25 but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it and then when he looks into the mirror and knows the truth and sees the truth 
He does not walk away from it. He continues to serve the Lord. Some of you here today might live in a home that is hostile to the gospel. Maybe you, maybe you work at a job where you're the only one that's willing to say anything about Jesus. Maybe you're living in a day in culture and work where they've told you to be quiet about Jesus. Be the one who looks in the mirror and doesn't forget what he did for you and how your life has been changed because of God's love for you. Self-control is the mark of spiritual maturity. You see, the correct mirror is the truth of God's word. So don't forget and walk away as many carnal believers do. What, what's a carnal believer? A carnal believer is, some, is a, someone who professes to be a Christian but lives just like a lost person. A carnal believer is someone who confesses to be a Christian but does things lost people do. Do not get overwhelmed when that lost neighbor acts lost. Don't quit when that lost boss acts lost. The concern is when you and I as believers don't live for Christ. And we make mistakes and we stumble and we trip and we blow our testimony. What should be the first step for a Christian who falls into sin? Number one, recognize that that sin is against a holy God and ask him to forgive you. And according to 1 John 1, 9, he will, based on the fact that he paid for it on Calvary's cross. Anybody want to say amen as a Christian this morning? Jesus is not going to die again. He's not going back there. He's paid for it. And if you're living a life right now that you feel like you're going the wrong way and you're stumbling and you're stuck in the mud of sin, you give that to Jesus and place it at the foot of the cross and you get up this morning and repent of that and you go live for Christ. That's the good news of the gospel, amen? That's the good news of the gospel. So for us this morning, when you think about looking at a mirror and not forgetting what you see, you live for the Lord, you apply what you hear, what you hear sticks, and then you go live it and practice it wherever God takes you today. That's the good news of the gospel. We are to practice obedience, not habitual sin. And when you exhibit self-control and trust God, those are steps marking your maturity as a Christian. Now, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, he or she, anybody in here who thinks they're religious and does not bridle their tongue, but deceives their own heart. Your religion is useless. That's the word of God. And man, that's a painful word of God for me sometimes when I think of some things I've said in my life. You see, the picture of self-control, which marks your maturity, is the picture of a bridle in a horse's mouth. The translation is a, a bit leader a restraint. This morning in a devotion that I'm doing with a few men through the book of James, there was a statistic, I'm not sure where who figured this up, 
but it said that we speak about 860 million words in life. That's about 15 sets of 20-volume Oxford dictionaries. That's crazy. Well, my experience with you all in First Connection is when you ask men and women to write their testimony, women do fill out the front page of their sheet and back detail about life when they got saved and since then. Men do it something like this. I was a wretched sinner. Jesus saved me. I trust him daily. That's it. I have a feeling that that some of you ladies are taking some of our 860 million words that we speak in life. Do you know that we'll be held accountable for every word we say? The picture here is curbing what you say. What does that mean, Brother Greg? As a believer, you don't have the freedom, nor do I have the freedom to say whatever we think, especially if it hurts somebody. Listen carefully. You and I don't have the luxury to be unkind. You don't have the license to just let it fly. Listen, if you're a senior adult, I've heard this before. My mom and dad are senior adults. Somebody would say, well, I've earned the right. I've, I've lived to be 85 years old. You've never earned the right to be unkind. If I'm going to be a doer of the word, then hopefully more of what I'm doing would be more godly than it would be worldly. As a believer, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, if he does not constrain what he's saying or she's saying, you're fooling yourself that your life has ever been changed. And remember, folks, we can fool other people, but we can't fool God. And only you this morning and me this morning know if we're even saved through the witness of the Holy Spirit in your life. God and you. And I praise the Lord that the gospel has been preached clearly in this church for 70 years. And my prayer is that when people come and visit us, they don't leave here wondering what it takes to be a Christian. Let me tell you something. What it takes took at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. And I praise the Lord for that. Let your tongue be used for healing, not destruction. That's what James is writing. I believe sometimes we can cut people down simply to make us feel better about ourselves. If I can elevate myself by belittling you, doesn't that sound just immature, even me saying that? While we think we're better than everyone around us because of how we've cut somebody down, there will be people standing around thinking, how could they even say that? And the testimony begins to suffer even beyond that circle. Don't you get in an argument with somebody at work about what Baptists believe and what they believe? You just love people to Christ and show them what Jesus can do in the life. I mean, we need to get back to something. It's called confession and repentance. Quit thinking we've got it all together. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. And then he says, that person, their religion is useless. Somebody who doesn't bridle their tongue. 
somebody who's full of themselves. Someone who set themselves up to be an idol rather than serving the only true God. Here's another thing you see. And we'll close. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Number five, sometimes life gets cluttered. Do you agree with that? So in the spiritual driveway of my life, there are three tarps. And every now and then, you've got to get in the garage and start getting stuff out of there. Stuff that's piled up a long time. You know, I clean my garage from time to time. My mom, who's watching, worries about my garage. I thank, I thank the Lord for a mom who loves me enough to worry about my garage. But mom, I don't want you to use, lose sleep about the garage, right? But every now and then, boy, I'll get on it, and then the spring cleaning, I'll use the spring cleaning, Marcia, for coming up. Spring cleaning in March, I'm going to get after it, and I'll get that garage organized. And I think, how easy would it be to keep everything in place if I just put it back where it goes? And then all of a sudden, I notice that those, I'll put those tools back tomorrow. I'll put those Christmas boxes back before long. And the clutter begins to pile up, and you wonder what in the world have we done. Sometimes ministry gets cluttered. But he gives us an example. But pure and undefiled religion is this, before God and the Father. Pure, unsoiled. Pure, getting back to the basics, is what God thinks, not what we think. When you look at verse 27, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I'll close with this. It's not just about, ministry is not just about other people. Ministry is about you as well. Because he says, in your ministry, visit and meet the needs of the widows and their trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Oh, I'm telling you, when I lay out the uh, tarps, the spiritual tarps in front of my garage door in the driveway of my life, there are some things that need to go. Many things I need to keep. Some things that could help other people that I'm not using there's certainly some things to pitch. And that's what James is talking about. He's laying it right on the line to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Don't be just a hearer of the word. Be a doer for the glory of God. And make no mistake, make no mistake, he is not in conflict with salvation, New Testament, grace by faith saved by grace through faith he's not in he's not challenging that he is talking about demonstrating it as you are a believer in Jesus Christ I close with this there's a song by the group point of grace you may have heard it, it says I used to wish that I could rewrite history 
I used to dream that each mistake could be erased. Then I could just pretend I never knew the me back then. Oh, I used to pray that you would take this shame away, that you would hide all the evidence of who I've been. But it's the memory of the place you brought me from that keeps me on my knees, even though I'm free. Heal the wound and leave the scar. A reminder of how merciful you are. I am broken, torn apart. Take the pieces of this heart. Heal the wound and leave the scar. You know, we can't change the past, but we can give it to the one who can. Amen? And that's my prayer for you today. Every, 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 as you stand and join me, every head bowed, every eye closed. And I've asked you to set before you this morning in your spiritual eyes a tarp that says, get rid of it. What is it in your life that needs to go?